a couple of weeks ago, I was working from my home office while my wife and kids are hanging out on the other side of the house. Now, while I'm working in my office for the Lord, for our community, for my family, my wife and kids are plotting and conspiring against me. The day was March 31st. It was the eve of April 1st, which as you know, is April Fool's. But my kids didn't know what April Fool's is all about. And so my wife was was teaching them, here's what April Fool's is all about. You punk people, you mess with people, you play jokes on people. So while I'm in here working in my office there, on the other side of the house, plotting and conspiring against me. At one point I leave my office and I go to the restroom and I open up the lid of the bathroom and there's a, a monster there. They had put a picture of a monster on the toilet lid of the bathroom. And I hear voices outside behind the bathroom. These two little voices of my kids say, April Fool's. I'm like, oh, those kids playing jokes. And so later on in that same day, April 1st, I go for a run. I come back back from the house after the run. I go and turn the shower on, turn the water on, and brown clumpy water comes out of the shower head. Apparently my wife had unscrewed the shower head, put in hot chocolate mix and screwed it back on. So when I turned the water on, brown chunky water would come out, come out of the shower head. Outside of the shower here, my two little kids say, April fools. And all throughout the rest of the day, they're trying to punk me and trying to mess with me, play jokes on me. That was all day. April 1st. Now, fast forward a couple weeks later, just a few days ago from, from now, a few days ago, uh, middle of the night, my wife and I wake up. My wife leans up in bed. She's like, honey, do you hear that? And I'm like, yeah, I hear it. I'm like, you know, trying to wake up myself. And there's an alarm going off. There's some sort of crazy alarm going off in the house. She's like, what is that? And I was like, I don't know what it is. And so I jump out of bed. I'm so groggy. I'm like walking into the walls, into the doors and stuff. I go out into the living room. Sure enough, whoop, whoop. There's an alarm going off and I, and I look and it's an, our Alexa device. Now, just by saying that, I'm sure some of your Alexa devices woke up, so I'm not going to use the term um, of her name anymore. I'll just refer to her as the Amazon device. So the Amazon device is going off and whoop, whoop. And I'm like, why in the world is the Amazon device going off right now? So I say, Amazon, shut up. Apparently she doesn't respond to that. And so I, I said it a different way. I said, Amazon, be quiet. And she turned off the the Amazon device turned off. I make my way back to the bedroom. I crawl back in bed and my wife is fully awake at this point. She said, what was that? And I said, I don't know. The alarm was going off. I'm not really sure why. And she said, why would it do that? And I said, I don't know. I have no clue why Amazon would be going off. But I said, but I, I do know that I'm tired and I'm grumpy and I want to go to sleep. So I went to sleep. Well, the next morning, my wife and I wake up and my wife asked the question again. She said, why in the world would that alarm have gone off in the middle of the night? And I said, honey, I don't know. I don't know why the alarm would be going off in the middle of the night randomly like that. Well, at that point, our four-year-old Noah walks by and four-year-old Noah says, my bad, I did it. And we were like, you did what? And he said, I set the alarm. And we're like, what do you mean you set the alarm? He said, last night before we went to bed, I went over to the Amazon device and I said, Amazon, set an alarm for 150 minutes from now. And sure enough, 150 minutes later, we're all asleep and whoop, whoop, whoop. So at this point, that point, Noah looks to me and says this. He says, April Fool's. And I'm like, buddy, no, that's not how April Fool's works. You can't like wait weeks after April 1st and then play an April Fool's joke. It has to be all beyond April 1st. It's not just April Fool's the whole month of April, but he doesn't know that. And he continues to play jokes on us and mess with us because all of April is April Fool's for our four-year-old son. And we're stuck with this April Fool's monster during quarantine right now. 
I'm sure that there's many parents out there right now that you got little kids at home and you too are like, I don't know how much longer I can deal with this quarantine. I came across a couple of tweets. Look at some of these tweets. The salty mama, she said, my six-year-old just asked me if I could be homeschooled forever. I was not prepared for that plot twist. <laughs> can you imagine if this was the new normal, if this was forever? Here's another tweet that somebody else said. Mom sense and Suze says that her husband said, okay, boys, pick a number one through four. The three-year-old said lion guard. Five-year-old said five. So the mom said, well, homeschool is going quite well. <laughs> Obviously, it's not. There was another mom who apparently is teaching her kids in homeschool as well, and she taught an entire history lesson where her kid was supposed to be taking notes. Afterwards, she checked the notes, and here's the history notes that her child wrote down. History, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> <laughs> that is so funny. Last one that I'm gonna share with you. Dad posted on Twitter, he said this. He said, I'm not saying our healthy lifestyle has deteriorated under quarantine, but I just asked our five-year-old what his favorite fruit is and he answered sausage. Hey, nothing wrong with a little sausage cocktail, right? One of my favorite fruits is the sausage. I'm sure that there's many parents right now that are going stir crazy right now in their homes and perhaps there's many other parents that are going absolutely really crazy, like straight jacket crazy during this quarantine. And perhaps many of you have heard the phrase in the last few weeks or the last few months of somebody telling you this too shall pass. That's the new series that we're starting today is called This Too Shall Pass. In fact, as we dive into God's word together, I would encourage you get out your Bible and turn to Romans chapter 12. If you're following along in the live stream today, you can also go along and follow along in the notes in the Version app. If you're watching this later on, not live, but in the recording of this, you can follow along also at phcc.church resources. You can download the PDF of all of our notes and the verses today. But like I said, turn to Romans chapter 12 as we jump in this morning. Now, the phrase this too shall shall pass is a phrase that many of us have probably heard over the last couple of weeks or perhaps the last couple of months related to the coronavirus. I'm sure there's a lot of people that said, this too shall pass, this too shall pass, this too shall pass. And while you may have heard it, and while your friends might have said it, your family members might have said it, you might have said it, even I have said it, what, some, what might be surprising to some of you is that God never said it. God never said that phrase, this too shall pass. In fact, nobody in the Bible ever said that phrase, this too shall pass. Now, I know some of you watching right now are like, yes, he did. God did too say that. Yes, huh? He, he did too say that. Sorry to disappoint you. No, he didn't. Sometimes it's entertaining to me, actually, because sometimes people will, will talk about phrases that, they, that aren't actually in the Bible, things that God never said. In fact, just a couple of months ago, I, I preached on a sermon where I talked about how God never said that phrase that people oftentimes throw around, God will never give you more than you can handle. God doesn't give you more than you can handle. That's a phrase that oftentimes Christians throw around, but, but there's two things wrong with that. Number one, it's not true. And number two, God never said that. And some people are like, yes, he did. He did too say that. No, he didn't. God never said that he would never give you more than you can handle. Now, now, there is a verse in, in the Bible that does talk about that. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 comes close to it, and people take it out of context and misunderstand it sometimes. Here's what God does say. It says, God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. Now, some people are saying, see, see, he won't let you have more than what you can bear. But if you read it closely, it says, God won't let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. There's a big difference between just being tempted and, and having things in general that are more than what you can handle. Now, if you think about it, of course, we have more than what we can handle, because if we could handle everything on our own, why would we need God? 
Why would we need Jesus? Why would we need a savior? If we could save ourselves, if everything that, that came to us, we could handle on our own and we didn't have a need for God, then why would we ever need Jesus in the first place? Why would we need the cross? Why would we celebrate Easter if we didn't actually need the help from God altogether? God never said he won't give us more than he can handle. He does give us his son. He gives us grace. He gives us forgiveness. But those aren't things that we've done in and of ourselves. Look at what Jesus does say, John 16, 33. He says, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, you have overcome the world. He didn't say that. He said, take heart, I have overcome the world. He doesn't say you have overcome the world. He doesn't say, take heart, I'm never going to give you more than you can handle. He says, take heart, you're going to experience trouble, but take heart, I'm going to overcome the world. We need Jesus. We need his grace. We need his forgiveness. We need his salvation. We need Jesus. I feel bad for the people that are like, I, I can handle everything on my own because they're basically implying that they don't need God in their lives. And that's a dangerous place to be. But God never said that before. Here's another phrase that oftentimes people quote. Christians will oftentimes throw this around, but it's not biblical. Money is the root of all evil. That's also not in the Bible. Nowhere in the Bible does it actually say that. What it does say is something very, very close. Again, there's a, a misinterpretation. 1 Timothy 6.10 says, For the love of money is a, a root of all kinds of evil. It says the love of money is a root, not the root. It's a root of all kinds of evil. But, but it doesn't say money is the root of all evil. It's the love of money that is a root of all kinds of evil. Again, people misinterpret that and they misunderstand that. Another phrase that people oftentimes misquote and misunderstand is the phrase that you've probably heard in the last few weeks or months, this too shall pass. Nowhere in the Bible does it actually say that. Now, now if God didn't, didn't actually say that, if it's not in the Bible, then where did it come from? Where did people get this particular quote? Well, just like the other examples I've shared with you, there's other verses in the Bible that people oftentimes misunderstand or take out of context. For example, here's another one, Deuteronomy 28, 15. Moses says, but it shall come to pass if you do not obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all his commandments, and then he goes on from there, but that first uh, first phrase, but it shall come to pass. And people misinterpret that as though, oh, that's the same thing as this too shall pass. It's not even close to the same thing. What Moses is saying is this will eventually take place. That's a lot different than saying this too shall pass. The circumstances that we're going through, we're, we're going to eventually be on the other side of it. So people misunderstand and perhaps misquote that particular verse. There's another one that, that maybe they, they get this phrase from and they misquote it. Acts 2.17 says, It shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour my spirit out on all flesh. Now, again, it's saying it shall come to pass. It's saying this will happen in the future, but it's not the same thing. It's out of context to say this too shall pass. That's a different intent and meaning behind those two phrases. So, so it didn't come. That phrase did, of this too shall pass did not come from Deuteronomy or from Acts. There's similar verses in, in the books of Genesis, Isaiah, Ezekiel, but nowhere in the Bible does it ever say this too shall pass. So if that's the case, where did the phrase come from? Why do people say it all the time? They think they're quoting the scripture. They think they're quoting the Bible. They think they're quoting God and they're not. So where did the phrase, this too shall pass, come from? More than likely, it came from our 16th president, Abraham Lincoln. Honest Abe used to always quote this phrase. And in many of his speeches, this too shall pass was a part of many of his speeches. In fact, there's one speech that he, he credited and said, this is where I got the phrase from. Listen to this speech from Abe Lincoln. He said, it is said an Eastern monarch once charged his wise men to invent him a sentence to be ever in view and which should be true and appropriate in all times and situations. They presented him with the words and this too shall pass away. How much it expresses, how consoling in the depths of affliction. Abraham Lincoln. 
And in that particular passage, he says, and this too shall pass away. Now that's the closest to this quote that we can really get. Now that's not scripture, that's quoting our 16th president. So if that's the case, if it really came from Abraham Lincoln, who didn't even coin the phrase, but he's quoting somebody else from, from way earlier, an Eastern monarch, if, if it didn't come from the Bible and it didn't come from God, it, does that automatically mean that that's a false phrase, that we shouldn't say that to people? Not necessarily, because the truth is the coronavirus is going to pass away. It's not gonna be here forever. COVID-19 is not gonna be here forever. So it's accurate and it's fair and it's true to say, this too shall pass. So you might be wondering, well, then why are we talking about this? If God didn't say it and the Bible didn't say it, but it's still true, then what's the point? Why are we even discussing this? Here's the point. The Bible talks about God being the great comforter. In fact, look at how Paul describes God in 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 4. Paul says this about God. He says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ and Father of compassion and the God of all comfort who comforts us in all our troubles. Paul refers to God as the God of all comfort. Now, if that is true, which I believe it is because that's scriptural and that is biblical, if God is the God of all comfort, yet God did not say, this too shall pass, then there must be something else God did say that is intended to comfort us. Many people are throwing around the phrase, this too shall pass, but if that didn't come from God and it didn't come from the Bible, then what did the God of all comfort say in order to comfort us during times like these? Well, that, my friends, is the whole intent and the purpose of this particular sermon series of This Too Shall Pass. So we're going to look at different sections of scripture of what God does use to comfort us. If he's not the one that came up with this phrase of This Too Shall Pass, what did he say? One example we see in Romans chapter 12, 9 through 13. Let me read it. Romans 12, 9 through 13 says, Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share, the Lord's, share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Now there's four verses there, and we're going to unpack those verses phrase by phrase, word by word through our time together because there's a lot of comforting statements and phrases in there. So let's go back to verse 9, Romans 12, 9. Let me read it again. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Here's the question that I have for you, friends. Is your love sincere? In a quarantine like this, perhaps you're getting on your spouse's nerve and you're getting on their nerves and your kids are getting on your nerves and, and, and you're bickering and you're fighting and you're saying harsh things to each other. Are you genuinely, could you honestly genuinely say that you're loving your family sincerely? Is your love sincere? Are you really making every effort that you can? And if not, love must be sincere. Look at the rest part, the rest of the verse. Hate what is evil and cling to what is good. Hate what is evil and cling to what is good. There's a lot of good things that we can hold on to. There's also a lot of bad things we can hold on to. There's a lot of negativity. There's a lot of conspiracy theories. We could spend so much of our time going down rabbit trail after rabbit trail, trying to pursue the possibilities of why this coronavirus might exist. But there's also things that we can cling to that are good. I'll give you an example. I was reading on social media just the other day. Somebody in our church went down to Taco Bell recently over off of Main Street, went to Taco Bell and uh, didn't have a lot of money had some money in her pocket and uh, in the money in her pocket, she was like, well, I don't have a lot of money, so I'm going to buy some things off of the, uh, the, the menu that I can afford. So she buys a few things off the menu. When she counts out of the quarters and the, the dollars she has in her pocket, she doesn't have enough money to be able to buy everything that she wanted. So she gives all the money that she has 
doesn't have, have enough to, to, to pay for the order that she had. So the person behind the counter, the person at the, at the Taco Bell's, the, at behind the cash register, pulls out money from her own pocket and pays for the rest of the money. Now that is inspiring. Here's somebody who doesn't have enough money to pay for their own order and the person at Taco Bell working in the middle of a financial crisis, in the middle of where there's over 20 million jobs, people that are out of jobs right now, 20 million people in unemployment, and there's a person in a fast food restaurant that's willing to pull out her own money and help somebody that's a complete stranger. That is a story that's worth holding on to. That is a story and that's an example of what we should cling on to that is good. And that's not the only one. I'll give you another example. Many of you know, you, last week was Easter. Of course, you know that. What you may not know is that last week for Easter week for us was a record-breaking week at Pinion Hills Community Church. Last Thursday, Thursday of Easter week, we had our first ever Seder Passover meal. We've never done that before in the history of this church. So we were like, let's do one. We're in quarantine. We can have dinners and meals at and, and our kitchen table and, and join together and Quite frankly, we didn't know if anybody would show up. We didn't know if it'd be five people watching or maybe 10 people, maybe even 100 people. Get this, we had over 2,000 people join us for our Passover Seder meal last Thursday. That's phenomenal. So many people loved it. They made the request. They said, can we do this every single year? Can we make this a new tradition? And we we're like, well, why not? So next year, we're going to have another Passover Seder meal. And if you missed out this year, next year, next Easter, the Thursday before Sunday, uh, Easter Sunday, you can join us for our Seder meal again. So that was phenomenal. 2,000 people joining us. The very day after that is Good Friday. And Good Friday, we've never had an online-only Good Friday experience before, but we, we decided let's have an online Good Friday experience. And we did. Over 3,800 people joined us for that. That's phenomenal. That's about six times more than the people that joined us last year for Good Friday. Then on Saturday, we had our first ever digital online Easter egg, uh, Easter egg hunt. And what we can't do is we can't have groups of, of more than five gathering together. So we can't have an Easter egg hunt. So we were like, let's do it online. Let's, uh, let's hide hidden Easter eggs on, on a website. And we sent people to it. And uh, it was a really tough, difficult Easter egg hunt. Many of you are nodding in agreement on the other side of your screen right now because you're like, yep, I spent hours doing that Easter egg hunt and I still can't find egg number 12. Where is egg number 12? I can't find egg number 12. It's the bane of my existence. And I'm so sorry if it caused you frustration. Better luck next year if you couldn't find it. There was three people total that finished the entire Easter egg hunt, but there was over 700 people that joined us in that hunt on the Saturday before Easter. Then the very next day, Easter Sunday, and our two live stream services, we had over 10,000 people join us. If you add up all of those people for Easter week, that's over 16,000 people that joined us for Easter week, which is about five times what we've ever had in the history of our church. Friends, that's phenomenal. We're in the middle of a revival right now. Quite frankly, it's not just that we're in the middle of a pandemic. We're in the middle of a worldwide revival because it's not just Pinion Hills Community Church. There's churches all over the world that millions of people are flocking to online and there's record attendance across the board in most churches that are out there right now. These are the stories that we can cling to. These are the stories that are good. Hold on to and cling on to the good stories, not the bad and not the negativity. Paul continues on in Romans chapter 12. Let's look at the next verse, verse number 10. He says this, he says, be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Be devoted to one another. Honor each other above yourselves. I'm blown away by the number of people that are encouraging and being intentional about sending encouragement during this time. Last week, we had several people write in letters to the church and some people are sending in checks to the church to help support what we're doing. And many people are putting post-it notes on their checks. And let me read to you one of the post-it notes. I'm gonna leave it anonymous. You know who you are who sent it in. Let me, let me read to you what they said. They said, we know it's tough times, especially now. So we wanted to give a little more 
to help. We love you all. How sweet is that? Not just giving your tithe and your offering, but giving more than what you normally would to honor other people above yourselves. There's another gentleman who wrote a check to the church just recently, which was above and beyond what he normally gives. And I called him up and I said, hey, thank you for your generosity. May I ask you, what led to your generosity? And you know what he said? He said, Matt, I want to be generous because I need God to be generous to me. I know that when I'm generous to God, he's going to be even more generous back. And that's why I'm being so generous because I need God's blessings right now. And that's so true. Friend, if you're not giving, if you're not tithing, if you're not trusting God with every area of your life, then you're robbing yourself from the blessings that God could be giving to you right now. So don't rob yourself. Put other people above yourself. That was verse 10. Uh, Paul continues on Romans 12, verse 11. He says this, he says, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Now, what does that word fervor mean? It's another word for passion. He's saying, Keep your passion, your spiritual passion by serving the Lord. Now, granted, we're in a quarantine right now. There's not all the same ways that we can serve, but we have all sorts of online services in all sorts of different areas of our church, and you can still serve if you want to. We can still have you serve in the young adults ministry or the student ministry or the children's ministry. If you remember back to March 8th, which was our last physical church service together, right after that March 15th, we went to online services. That was about six weeks ago. Isn't that crazy? We've been in these, uh, in these online services for, over, for about six weeks now. Anyway, March 8th was the last time that we met together in the church. And you might recall, if you happen to attend the church that day, uh, one of my, my uh, best friends, Tim Harris, it was, uh, was somebody that came and he's got Down syndrome. We interviewed him. My wife and I interviewed him on stage. And when we interviewed him, that was the, the, the precursor to launching a ministry called the VIP ministry here at Pinion Hills. Now, the VIP ministry stands for Very Important Person. Because quite frankly, everybody is a very important person to God and in his sight. And sometimes we push different types of people aside. And those who have different abilities and special abilities are oftentimes alienated. So the VIP ministry is to, to be more inclusive, to include people who are VIPs into the fabric of our, of our culture and our society. So we, we talked about how we were about to launch that, and then we went into quarantine and online services. But as we've th thought about like you know launching this VIP ministry and perhaps the weeks or months that it, that it would take for us to get back, the more we've talked about it, we're like, why not just launch it online? Why, why not just launch it in the middle of the pandemic? Why wait till we come back? So we're going to, my wife and I, uh, my wife specifically, she's going to be spearheading this ministry and she's going to be leading it up. In fact, this coming Wednesday, she's going to be doing an online training for the VIP volunteers. So if you'd like to be somebody who volunteers with those who have special abilities or different abilities, this coming Wednesday is going to be a Zoom uh, conference type of call. If you haven't already registered, you can go to phcc.church VIP and you can get registered and she will get you all the information you need to know. Then in two weeks from now, we're going to do something special, a special event for those who do have the special abilities and those who have different abilities. We're going to put on something. I'm not going to talk about that right now. We'll talk about that next Sunday. That's two weeks from now. But this coming Wednesday, if you'd like to help and serve and volunteer in the VIP ministry, there's an online training that you can be a part of. So again, if you're not registered, go to phcc.church VIP and get registered as a volunteer. Bottom line is that there's many ways that you can serve even in the middle of a quarantine. So that's based on verse 11. Have, have a spiritual fervor. You can still serve in the Lord. Look at verse 12. Paul says, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. And by the fact that he says, be joyful and patient and faithful implies you have a choice. You have a choice. You can choose to be joyful or not. You can choose to be patient or not. You can choose to be faithful or not. And you have a choice in the matter. Be joyful, be patient, and be faithful. He continues on verse 13. 
He says, share with the Lord's people who are in need and practice hospitality. I've had many people over the last couple of weeks and months come up and say, hey, Matt, is there any way I can serve? Is there any way I can help? I'd like to do more than what I'm doing right now. Is there anything that I can do more than what I'm doing? So we've had little projects here, little projects there, different things that individuals and families could be doing to be helping, but we haven't done anything church-wide yet. And the reason why we haven't done anything church-wide yet is because we didn't want to meet needs that weren't actual needs. We don't want to try to predict what needs would be, not knowing how our society would react to COVID-19 and the coronavirus. But now it's becoming more clear. And what's becoming more clear across the entire nation is that there's a shortage of food. And many people, while many pantries are full, there's many other people that have no food in their homes. And, and the, hours, uh, the, the lines are hours long to food pantries throughout the country. And so what we decided to do is to start creating boxes of food. We're going to call them boxes of love. And these boxes of love have bare necessities inside them flour, sugar, beans, rice, a couple other things as well. But we're going to pack these boxes full of, of basic food essentials. And then we're going to give them away to anybody that needs food. In fact, this coming Friday from 12 to 2, there's a, the cross in our, in our parking lot at Pinion Hills. People can come in and they can drive around that cross and we're going to hand them boxes of food. Now, we've talked about the possibility of having the community come and drop off food. The problem with that, there's a couple problems with that. Number one, we don't know which families have COVID-19 in their homes. And so are we bringing potentially infected food to our campus and do we have to sterilize everything? So that's a complication. Uh, the other thing is that we would be creating a crowd by having all the food dropped off while people would be going around shopping for whatever they want. We don't want to create a crowd. But we, what we do have access to is our Canyon Cafe, which has access to the restaurant warehouse, which is just fewer hands touching the food. So what we've done is we've contacted the warehouse and said, hey, can you give us bulk rates? Can you give us food through the through, uh, through the distribution of the uh, what the restaurants have? which is cheaper than what the grocery stores offer anyways, and can we give that away? Normally, you can't do that. Normally, you have to take the food in, you have to prepare it in some way before you can sell it or before you can give it away. But we've contacted them and the management says, go ahead and you can do this. And so what we're gonna do is we're gonna go through the restaurant distribu uh, distribution warehouse and we're gonna fill up a bunch of boxes and they're all gonna have the same contents in them so we're not getting random things from people's pantries. There's fewer hands touching it, so there's less likelihood of it being infected or being you know, touched by somebody with COVID-19. But we're going to put together all these boxes and we're just going to hand them out to person after person, family after family. We're going to try to limit it to one box per family. But here's how you can help. If you want to help with this, what you can do is you can make a donation or you can buy a box that goes to a family. Now, the box costs $20. We're not keeping any of that. We're giving all of it away. So... The, box, you know, the $20 takes care of the box and all the supplies that go in it. But again, that's wholesale cost, so it's cheaper than what you could get with groceries at the grocery store. We're gonna fill out as many boxes as we can and we're gonna give them all away this coming Friday from 12 to two. So if you would like to help with that, the way that you can help is make a donation and buy a box. Now, here's what I would say regarding making a donation and buying a box. What I would ask is that you don't take your tithes and buy boxes with your tithe. Now, here's why. If our whole church, if everybody that tithes were to take all the money they would be tithing with and buy boxes with it instead, we'd have a lot of boxes to give away, but then our church wouldn't be able to function anymore. And in the long run, you'd be harming more people that way. So don't take your tithe away from the church and give it to the boxes. Keep your tithe there uh, and keep paying your tithe and keep being generous. But if you have above and beyond, if you have more uh, that you can give in addition to your tithe, Perhaps consider buying a box or maybe buy several boxes, buy 50 boxes if you want to. So that's a way that you can support buying a box that we'll give to a family. Now, there's another way that you can support, which is this, to share encouragement. Now, what do I mean by sharing encouragement? Well, when you go on and buy a box, you can buy the box at phcc.church. 
Uh, there's a little link on there, you can buy the box. But when you click on that link, you can enter the number of boxes that you wanna buy, but then you can also write in and type in a personal message that you wanna get printed off and delivered with your box of food. Now you could put a, an encouraging note, you can put in something that's inspiring, a quote, maybe a Bible verse, whatever that you want, you can type it on there, you can put your name if you want, or you can leave it anonymous, but we're gonna print off those notes and we're gonna include those notes with each box. So for example, if you were to buy one box for one family, you could write a note on there, we'll print it off, we'll put it in there, that food, and so that family will get the box of food plus your encouraging note. Now if you get 50 boxes, We'll take your letter and we'll print off 50 copies of them and put each one, put a letter in each one of those boxes so they all get that encouraging note as well. Friends, you can make a difference. We can make a difference during this time if we choose to. Back in the 1500s, the bubonic plague had been going around from the 1300s for, for over 200 years. It had been popping up in different cultures and different towns and cities. And at one point there was a pastor who wrote the great theologian Martin Luther, not Martin Luther King Jr., but Martin Luther, the guy that started the Protestant Reformation. And this pastor wrote Martin Luther and asked the question, what is an appropriate response from a Christian during a pandemic? How should Christians respond during the bubonic black plague? How should we respond? So the pastor wrote Martin Luther. Martin Luther wrote a letter back to the pastor in a long letter, and here's an excerpt of that letter. Martin Luther said this around 1530 or so. He said, I shall ask God mercifully to protect us. Then I shall fumigate, help purify the air, administer medicine, and take it. I shall avoid places and persons where my presence is not needed in order to not become contaminated and thus perchance inflict and pollute others and so cause their death as a result of my negligence. If God should wish to take me, he will surely find me and I've done what he has expected me and so I am not responsible for either my own death or the death of others. If my neighbor needs me, however, I shall not avoid place or person, but will go freely as stated above. See, this is such a God-fearing faith because it is neither brash nor foolhardy and does not tempt God. Now that is what Martin Luther wrote back to the pastor in the 1500s. And if I was to, to paraphrase Martin Luther, I would probably say, protect yourself so you don't infect yourself. <laughs> or Ice Cube would say that, I suppose. Protect yourself so you don't infect yourself. But there's the other half of what Martin Luther said. He said this. He said, if you have the ability and the means to help somebody else, do it. Don't protect yourself so much and quarantine yourself so much that you're not being a blessing to other people. Friends, this is an unprecedented time in the history of our world. And what I would hate for you is that years down the road, perhaps decades down the road, when we look back at this time of the coronavirus and COVID-19 from 2020, I would hate for you to look back at this time when it's being taught as a history lesson in high school history class for people to say, hey, what did you do during the coronavirus? How did you respond during COVID-19? I would hate for you to say, I did nothing. I, I could have helped. I had the ability to help, but I did nothing. I sat at home and I was quarantined and I did nothing to help my friends, my neighbors, my family. I sat and did nothing. I was a spectator. I would hate for that to be what you reflect back on. Instead, I would love for you to say, you know what? I stepped in the game. I still was respectful of other people. I didn't act recklessly, but when my friends, when my family, when my neighbors needed me, I stepped up. I was a part of a bigger picture. I took part in the biggest revival in the history of our generation. I was a part of history in the making. Perhaps, friends, this is why God never said, this too shall pass. Perhaps it's because he didn't want us to pass up the opportunities that were in the middle of the storm. If we're so focused on the storm passing, if we're so focused 
focused on the fact that this too shall pass. Maybe what's what we shouldn't have passed by us are these opportunities to serve and to love and to give and be selfless. Maybe that's why God never said that to encourage us. Maybe the God of all comfort wants to use me and you to provide comfort to other people right in the middle of the storm. Friends, maybe that's why God never said the phrase in the first place because the God of all comfort knows that you can take action that provides greater comfort than simply saying, this will eventually pass, this too shall pass. So to recap from Romans chapter 12, there's 10 things that we can do to take action. Let me fire through them again. Love sincerely, hate what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to others, Keep your passion, serve the Lord, be joyful in hope, be patient in affliction, be faithful in prayer, and share your blessings. Don't be stingy, don't be a hoarder, share your blessings. And if I was gonna add one more thing to that list of 10, here's what I would also say. I would also say, praise God in the storm. Listen to the words of this song. was sure by now that you would have reached out, wiped our tears away, stepped in and saved the day. Once again, I say amen, and it's still raining. And as the thunder rolls, barely hear whisper through the rain. I'm with you And as your mercy falls I raise my hand And praise the God who gives Takes away And I'll praise you in this storm And I will lift my hands For you are who you are No matter where I am Every tear I
rising to the hill where does my help come from my help comes from the lord maker of heaven and earth i lift my eyes on to the hill where does my help come from my help comes from the lord the maker Friends, the coronavirus is not gonna last forever. COVID-19 will not last forever. It's true and it's accurate to say this too shall pass. But God never said that. God never intended to encourage us or to comfort us with those words. Instead, he wants to comfort people through you, through actions that you can choose to take, to love people, to serve people, to be selfless, to be generous. There's many things you can do to provide comfort right now to other people. So will you allow the God of all comfort to use you to bring comfort to other people? I hope and pray that you will. Let's pray right now. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the fact that you are the God of all comfort. We know that people are sick right now and we ask that you are there with them, that you provide peace to them and reassurance to them. And while we do know and we have the confidence that this will pass, what we also know is that we have opportunities right in front of us right now, today, where we can make a difference and we can serve people and love people and be selfless. So Father, will you put those things on our hearts? Will you help us understand how to see people, how to view people? Will you give us your ears, your eyes, your perspective for how we see our neighbor, our friends, and our families so we can see them the same way that you do? Give us opportunities and give us the strength and the ability to follow through. Maybe perhaps this world will, will look a little more better, look better, look more comforted because you've placed us here for such a time as this. So Father, we're ready to be used by you during this time. We don't wanna be so eager for this to be over and done with, to miss out on the opportunities that we can love people right now. So give us the opportunities right now. Give us the courage right now and give us the strength right now to make a difference and bring your comfort to a world that desperately needs it. We say these things in the power of Jesus' name, amen.